Welcome to Start Local, where we talk with business owners, leaders of nonprofits, and other members of our community focused on doing business in and around Chester County, Pennsylvania. Each episode will provide insight into the local business scene and tell you about opportunities to connect with and support businesses and nonprofits in your local area. Welcome to Start Local, where we connect with local leaders to support local businesses and nonprofit organizations in and around Chester County, Pennsylvania. I am Eric Goodmanson, and I'm here today with my co-host, Liam Dempsey. Liam, how are you doing this day? Pretty good. Thank you, sir. Pretty good. All right. Before we get our, our welcome our guest to the show, uh, Liam and I are reminding you about our plans for an in-person event for our Start Local community. As we shared in our previous episode, we are going to gather somewhere in and around Chester County over some good food and some good beverage. And we are planning that probably towards February. Our plans have evolved a little bit since the previous episode, but we're, we're still very much in the planning stage. So the best way to, to keep in touch is to head over to our website and click out the subscribe now button right at the top of every web page and we'll, we'll keep you informed. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. We're not really sure what exactly it's going to uh, entail, but after we finish digesting and processing all of our holiday scheduling, then we'll we'll set to work on that and uh, we'll we'll see where it goes. But we're looking forward to to seeing you some of you, some of you in person. That's for sure. But now to our our guest today, we welcome Laura Barry. Uh, she is an R and D tax credit specialist with Bowers R and D, a firm that helps other firms claim their tax benefits. Welcome, Laura. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Laura, I met you at an event focused on upcoming tax law changes. Many people would say that this is not at all an exciting topic, but the sheer size of the numbers required to describe our deficit, our debt, and our federal budget challenges are somewhere between terrifying and incomprehensible. So could you please share some of those numbers to help our audience understand where we are as a country when it comes to federal debt and the deficit? Yeah, um, I think your descriptors of those numbers are quite apt. Um, Basically, so just to get a a nice little jolt in the morning for your listeners, in the fiscal year 2023, um, the government spending was $6.13 trillion, and its total revenue was $4.44 trillion, um, which resulted in a deficit of $1.70 trillion. So for everyone else who is doing their budgets at home, um, at those numbers, they're not even real. <laughs> you can't even, and you know, it, they're, they're out in the ether, right? Um, but it is fun to look at those numbers and then realize when you kind of break them down, what they're actually going to. Remember, America has over 300 million people in it, and there's a ton of government programs at work that are using your taxpayer dollars. Um, so think your, not just your roads and your bridges, um, your military, um, and that's not just going towards buying bullets or creating new tanks, that's paying for housing allowances, for uh, health insurance, for spouses and vets and active duty people. And that costs a lot of money, but that's where your hard-earned taxpayer money is going, which is which is cool when you think about it. Um, you know. 
Uh, Eric, I know your your girlfriend was in the Marine Corps. My husband was in the Marine Corps. So, I mean, I can tell you, I was very happy to have TRICARE when we were in. It was great being able to go to the dentist. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's an incomprehensible number that when it you break it down, becomes a little bit more relatable when you realize where it's all going. And if there's a lot of people to house and feed and, and to do things for. Laura, when we introduced you, we introduced you as an R&D tax credit specialist with a firm called Bowers R&D. What kind of companies can claim R&D tax credits? Is it limited just to for-profit businesses or can nonprofits take advantage of them as well? That one is, this one is for for-profit businesses. Now, um, you know, I was just referencing, you know, like federal programs, like military spending and things like that. Uh, the federal research and development tax credit is shockingly accessible to for-profit U.S. companies. Um, and when I say shockingly accessible, I really do mean it. You answer four questions. And if you say yes to those four questions, you qualify. This is an incentive program for companies that are creating a new product and bringing it to market. So I tell people that Bowers R&D Associates serves breweries to biotech. It's a huge range of companies that can use it, and it's there to help them innovate and to stimulate the, the economy. So you called them incentives, and I'm wondering if current tax laws for companies involved in research and development truly do act as incentives, or, or, are, they, or are they somewhat punitive because it's just such a complicated set of tax laws that they have to be compliant with? That's a good question. Um, so I personally have a lot of beef with Section 174, uh, which Eric, you and I heard all about that tax breakfast. Section 174 was designed to essentially get more taxes back from companies that were able to write off or, excuse me, um, you know, expense 100% of their R&D expenses against their revenue, leaving a lot of companies with zero dollars in revenue to be taxed, right? So imagine R&D expenses as a big old pie. Um, You used to be able to eat all of your pie. But then Section 174 went into action in 2022, and that stated that companies could no longer eat 100% of their R&D pie. They could only eat 20% of it. So it, in essence, Section 174 is highly punitive against companies that are innovating because especially if you are a, a, a young company or you're a growing company and you don't have a massive cash reserve to suddenly pay these new revenue taxes that you have. Um, so to put it into some context really quick, imagine you're a company that has $100,000 in revenue, but you've spent $100,000 in R&D expenses. And R&D expenses is a huge pie. Tons of things go into it. This is, let's say the year 2021. You can say, great, $100,000 in revenue minus $100,000 in R&D expenses equals $0 that I have to pay in revenue because I don't actually have that money. I've spent it. 2022 comes around and Section 174 states that companies can no longer eat 100% of their R&D expenses pie. They may only eat 20% of it annually and then continue to eat 20% of it over a five-year period called amortizing the taxes, um, or the R&D expenses, excuse me. So now you have a company that can only eat $20,000, $20,000, 20% of 100,000, and all of a sudden you have $100,000, 
minus $20,000, which equals $80,000 in revenue taxes that you have to pay. But you've actually spent $100,000. So a lot of growing companies are being penalized for innovating. And there's a lot of creative accounting, let's say, going on because people are terrified that if they expense these R&D expenses um, and then try to claim their credit, they're going to be getting you basically like shot in the foot. Um, but they're shooting themselves in the feet anyway because the IRS is a ton of shiny new auditors who have time to audit people if they don't actually claim these R&D expenses and they clearly have R&D. Um, so yeah, sorry, went off a little bit of a tangent on that one, but that's when that gets my gets my blood going early in the morning. <laughs> but yeah, no. So let me ask up. you then. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Please finish. Oh no. The the, the the yeah, the yeah was the sum up. It's punitive. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. So that kind of leads me to a follow-up question is is are these tax credits for companies engaged in R&D are they too good to be true? Or, you know, maybe would it be a more true to say that they actually do enable companies in R&D exploration to achieve both their own business success, but also aiding and improving society in some meaningful way? Where does all this land and, and where do our local accountants uh, land as compared to maybe where you and your colleagues land? Yeah, so the first half of that, the tax credits are, are definitely not too good to be true. They're doing exactly what they were designed to do, which is great. Um, the tax laws are punitive. The tax credits are actually wonderful incentives that a ton of companies are missing out on, especially now. Because what's great about this is that there's a federal program and most states have their own R&D tax credit program. Pennsylvania, for example, has a wonderful R&D state tax credit program. It's actually one of the few states that allows companies to sell their state tax credit if they don't have revenue to use against it uh, or to use it against, excuse me. And what I mean by that is, let's say you have a company that they, they have no revenue, um, they have R&D expenses, they're able to get one a federal R&D um, tax credit, then they can apply for a Pennsylvania R&D tax credit. Now, if they don't have any revenue to use this credit against, they can sell it. They can sell it for 90 to 92 cents on the dollar to, there's a lot of big companies out there that love to purchase these because they do have huge amounts of revenue to reduce basically. So, Let's say you've got a, a tiny brewery. They just started. They don't have any revenue. They can sell their $50,000 credit for 90 to 92 cents on the dollar and get cash back. Essentially, someone cuts them a check and they can use those funds however they want. So for companies that are pre-revenue and aren't being affected by 174, it's still great and it's wonderful. But if you are being affected by 174, these credits are all the more important because you need to reduce that tax liability with whatever tools are available. And you can get thousands of dollars back from these. Um, one of my favorite examples is, and they're not our client, I would love it if they were, Levante Brewing, um, local Chester County brewery, not, you know, not Anchorizer Bush, not a massive brewery, right? In 2022, they were awarded $60,000 from the state. 
which is a huge amount of money. Like that's great. And that is a, a local like mid-sized brewery. So if any company that is creating a new product and is investing in new product development, they should absolutely look into it because, you know, worst case scenario, they don't qualify. Best case scenario, they do, and they can get thousands of dollars back. Um, so that's kind of where we come into accounting because people's accountants have a ton on their plate. There's so much that they're doing, and we are specialists in this field. So we're sort of, if you think about it, we're like the kicker on the football team. We come out, we come out to kick, and then we go back to the bench. <laughs> so we go out there to be a supplement to our clients, accountants, and CPAs to make their lives easier. Um, we do what we do because there are nuances to this. It can be a little weird depending on what industry you're in to identify what counts as R&D, you know, which employees should go into this, like your further salaries to count to the calculation. So we're a supplement to accountants and CPAs. We're there to help them and to make everybody's lives easier. Um, so yeah, if you think about us as like the kicker, we're, we're, we're there to punt that ball and get you some extra points on the board. That's a, a really good metaphor. And uh, I love the local reference that I think a lot of people can relate to because they enjoy their beer. I know we had Jim Adams from Levante on and, and back in episode 17. So uh, we're, we're, we're definitely familiar with their operations. And I know they, they make some tasty beverages, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, I love uh, Levante. <laughs> and you, you've mentioned breweries a few times, which I think a lot of people wouldn't think of necessarily, you know, being in the, the line to receive R&D tax credits. But would you tell me one of the, the more interesting R&D projects or, or companies you've ever assisted? Yeah. Um, what's really fun about this job is that we get to work with a wide range of industries. So it's never dull. Every one of them has their own unique traits. Uh, one of my personal favorites, just in a sense of it's something unexpected, there's a Philadelphia-based company called Remark Glass. They make beautiful glassware, beautiful chandeliers, all out of recycled glass bottles. So they take, you know, your donated glass bottles, uh, bring it in, break them down, and then discover how they can basically reorganize this glass into something that is going to be hardy enough to sustain, like, uh, you know, hold basically daily function as glassware or, you know, turn it into something gorgeous. That's a company that, again, like a lot of people, it doesn't have a quote R&D department, unquote, so they didn't think that they would qualify, but they do. They are, they are taking something, like they're taking a technically a waste product and they are turning it into something completely new. Um, and that, that's that been really fun. It's been very fun to be able to look into these like niche areas and find amazing people who are creating really cool things and help them, you know, succeed in their vision, which is fun. I want to ask a quick follow-up on that. Uh, you talked about tax credits are available for businesses coming up with, for example, a new product. Does it need to be a physical product or can, a, say, a professional services firm come at what they're offering in a unique and new way? You know, so not just we'll help you with your federal taxes, we'll also help you with your state taxes, but can they say we're going to do this new innovative tax planning. Does that count as, as a new product or does it have to be something you can physically touch? That's a great question. And there's two answers to that. The services industries 
have a really hard time being able to get a tax credit like that. Because if they were to, the example I use for this is, let's say you're an insurance company and you create a brand new paper form that is easier to read and it's just a more streamlined version of, of a quote, right? But it's, it's, a, it's an old school paper form and it's not really innovating the process in a new sense, really. Like, it, yeah, it might be more streamlined, but that's not going to get you an R&D tax credit. You haven't stamped a patent on it. There's no new IP that you have to own. You guys have just done a better job at streamlining your service. Now, if that same insurance company were to have paid a a developer to create an app specifically for them. The company owns the IP on it. And now instead of calling the insurance agent to file a claim, their clients can upload pictures, can um, do everything via this app. That would count as a client facing product. So that would be more likely to qualify for an R&D tax credit. The other side of that, too, is is software development, not a physical product, right? But that is definitely software development is is a goldmine for R&D. They're they're doing so much and it's all very non-tangible, but very much R&D, creating AI chatbots, for example, Um, even if it's in the, you know, the interweb out there uh, and you can't put your fingers on it that doesn't matter they're still creating something new they are creating a product um so really it is if you are creating a product whether it is tangible or intangible as client facing um most likely you will qualify and if it's now this is interesting they are they are changing um form 6765 is the form that you use to to file your R&D tax credit for the feds, they're changing some of the the language on there to focus on those business components. Um, So the things that are internal, like if my insurance agency, let's say the agency created their own CRM, it's brand new to them, but they only use it in-house. They've done R&D, they've been working on it, but before that wouldn't have really counted. because like you, it is technically an improvement to the process, but it's not. Yeah. So they are tweaking that. I will wait to see if it makes this credit more exclusionary to service providers or not. But it will be an interesting change. Um, you know, whenever whenever this changes, it's always a little bit of growing pains and shifting around. But it looks like right now it might kind of open the door to that a little bit more. So we'll see. Well, you identified yourself earlier as a specialist, and I think that's an understatement because I'm now beginning to understand just how much nuance is in this field. It's an incredible amount of detail. And anytime there's a lot of detail and nuance in in tax law, I feel like it, it opens the window to a potential audit because there's different interpretations and different understandings and different levels of, of education that are out there, even, even among auditors. So have you ever been involved in, a, in an IRS audit or maybe if not you personally, someone from your firm? And how, how did that go? Thankfully, I have not. Um, yeah, th- thankfully, our our clients have been, you know, touch wood, I, I think that maybe if only one of them has ever been audited, and it, and it wasn't really for anything wrong with their R&D, we call it an R&D study, 
Um, I, I think it was just like they, they just wanted like an extra form or something updated. Um, basically, what, what we do to try and avoid that is make our clients go through an R&D study, which is, if you think about it, really designed like a high school science fair experiment. I tell my clients, you need to be able to write me a five sentence paragraph explaining who did what, what were you working on, um, how did it go. And the beauty of this credit too, is that you can get money back for failed experiments. So like, we'll just stick with breweries. Let's say they were creating a new batch of beer and it was disgusting. Great, write that down. All of the things that most companies try to hide or like don't really want to promote, like, you know, like product failures. We want to know all about that stuff because that's an opportunity to get more money back. Like you, you've been working on creating something. It's fine if you fail. Like I said, this is one of the few accessible programs um, that actually rewards failure. And to make sure that our clients you know, to continue, don't get audited. Uh, we make them go through this whole process that is, it sounds like a lot in the surface and it is a bit of work, but it, it really isn't that bad. I tell people again, as long as you can write me a five sentence paragraph and upload documents, which we will tell you exactly what to upload to our, our proprietary software, you're going to be okay. <laughs> and then at the end of this process, we call it an IRS defense package. They get the full breakdown, all of the details, writing down who did what, yada, yada, because technically all a person has to do is take form 6765, write the information into it and submit it with their taxes to get an immediate credit on their, on their tax payment. Now, we don't let our clients do that. <laughs> we make them do the study because if someone does come knocking, they can then hand the IRS this packet that has all of the details, that shows their work. It, it really is, we, we take a complicated process and we make it more manageable. We, we make it less frightening of like, just think about it like a high school science fair experiment. You have to show your work and it's gonna, we take it one piece at a time. Um, so, Yes, I keep knocking on wood over here because I don't want any. I was like, okay, now that I've said this, of course, everything's going to go wrong. But, <laughs> but no, thankfully, I have not been involved in an audit yet. And I hope to keep it that way. I think that rings true for all of us on this conversation. We all want to avoid audits. So, uh, yeah. And I, li I like your approach there. It's more homework up front, but it's less risk, less headache uh, in the long run. Yeah, we, we're, we're not trying to stress our clients out. <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good thing. So, Laura, you shared that, that your husband's a Marine, and certainly my friends who were in the Marines very much consider themselves all boys a Marine. Um, I don't know if that's universal, but maybe you'll touch on that on your answer. But but I noticed on LinkedIn that you you also mentioned that you're the spouse of a veteran. So maybe you'll share with us why that's so important to you. Why is it get kind of top billing in your work life and and how does it pro affect your professional and your personal life yeah you know so the saying is once a marine always a marine that's true you're just in different stages of marine corps life you're either active you're you're a vet you're your reserves but no you are always marine and i'm sure eric's girlfriend I, did she go get her cake on on the birthday like you always have your cake for the marine corps birthday um and i it's it's wild being the spouse of a vet. It's it's kind of funny. It's something that I'll talk about with um, some of the other like military spouse groups that I'm a part of. Still, you don't really have a word 
for what you are once you're like, oh, I'm a military spouse, which typically implies that you're still married to an active duty service member. And then when they get out, you don't really have a word for yourself anymore. So I have in my, in my, you know, my byline, um, like veteran spouse, I'm like I am the spouse. I like, I was the spouse of an active duty, you know, Marine, Marine. And now I'm the spouse of a vet, which has very different challenges that come with it. And I think one of the hardest things for us was transitioning into military life, getting settled into military life. And then the next massive challenge was transitioning out of it. Um, And transitioning out of the military, I think was almost harder than transitioning in because you're losing a ton of benefits. You know, I mentioned at the top of the show, there's healthcare, there's housing allowances, um, which is something that most civilians do not know. They don't know that when you are married to someone in the military, I mean, and I can only speak to the, the Marine Corps side of this, so everyone just be aware, I'm skewed in that regard, but you have, it's called um, BAH, uh, basic or BHA, B- basic housing allowance. You get money to live off base. Um, that's something that helps a lot of people get apartments for themselves and their spouse. Uh, they can use that extra money to find childcare. You know, there's there's childcare provided on base. There's all of these things. And then when you transition out to the civilian world, you have no health insurance. You have no job. Um, you have no access to heavily subsidized uh, childcare. And it's really, really hard. So I, one of my passion projects um, as being a part of, of this company is, is trying to help under-resourced groups, um, especially people who are like veteran startups, women-owned startups, you know, like military spouse startups. I, I really want to get resources into their hands, you know, like BIPOC companies. Um, basically, everybody who is, one, what I do is weird. Not everybody knows it exists. But you have a ton of people who come out of the military, cannot find a job, even though like they think they have years of service under their belt. They've been leading like hundreds of Marines and then they cannot find a job for almost a year. And that's horribly frustrating. And then a lot of people go into the entrepreneurship route and don't realize that there are so many tools available to help them succeed because just being a startup is exhausting. Um, you're just trying to get through the day. So I really love my position and, and my background because it does help me recognize this is what people need. Um, a lot of people don't ask for help. I know a lot of military spouses don't. I didn't. It was really, really hard for me. And I want to be, I joined this one group, Military Spouse Advocacy Network, because I told them, I was like, if I could help a new baby military spouse, be it not as miserable as I was, that's a good day in my book. So I'm also trying to help people transitioning out of the military, not be as miserable as we were. So you can actually get things that you need. And it's not as scary as you think it is. Like there's a lot of people out there trying to help you. Also on your resume, uh, you are a published author. So Laura, tell me what you've written and what drives you to write. Yeah, um, that I've I've had a long uh, love of reading, um, thanks to my parents, and I went to school for writing actually, and sort of ended up in sales by accident. 
and I've been doing sales for a very, very long time, but there's always been this, this love of writing. And when my husband was in the Marines, I was able to actually get a job as a marketing and sales copywriter. Like one of my clients was Instacart, which is really fun. I got to write wine descriptions, which is a wild world. Um, I could spend all day talking about that. But <laughs> I've written um, poetry, working on a children's fantasy series. And I also had my first like yeah, young adult like dark fantasy novella come out over the summer, which was very exciting. That won the award. Um, so yeah, it's always in the background. I tell people I sling R&D tax credits by day and I write books by very, very, very early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's hard It's hard to find time to write when it's not a full focus. So I, I, I respect that. Um, you mentioned that you you went to college for writing or to studied writing in college. I want to, I want to stay in college with you for a moment because you played rugby in college and that's a sport that, uh, certainly when I lived overseas, I, I saw a lot more of an audience, uh, overseas than here, but it is getting a wider audience locally, particularly in the East coast. What drew, to, drew you to play such a rough and tumble sport and what position did you play? All right. Well, I I had weirdly enough kind of learned about rugby in high school, um, but my level of confidence was not where it is now. So all of the like the cool kids are playing rugby, like the cool like like the punk kids, the art kids are playing rugby, and I was like, oh, I can't play with them; they're too cool. And then I got to college, and um, it was basically like you know one of the open days where all the clubs are out, and I sort of was like given the rugby team the side eye, like, well, maybe I'll say hi, maybe I won't. And um, Nicole Benedetti is her name. She was the ca- about to be the captain of the team. I think she became captain a little bit after this. She threw a postcard at me, and she said, "You look like you want to play rugby." And then I went to practice the next day. Um, pretty sure the first thing my mom said when I told her I had joined the team was, Laura, your teeth. Like, <laughs> she was so <laughs> concerned. Um, I have never had any issues with my teeth, though, thanks to mouth guards. Um, but I, I love it. Um, I think playing rugby was one of my first real passions like really made me feel alive and passionate. And I, I've been in love with the sport ever since I'm going to try and play until I can't play anymore. Right now I am the, uh, one of the assistant coaches for the Conestoga high school girls rugby club, which has been phenomenal. Um, getting to help younger, you know, I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to call them kids. They're not kids. They're, they're already like young adults. We, we make them work really hard. They have so much responsibility and they're amazing. It's been really incredible being able to give them skills that I know have already made them way more confident and competent than I ever was at their age. And knowing that they're going to be okay in college, or at least we'll know that they can call me, call their coaches or like their, their teammates. If they, are lonely when they get to, you know, freshman orientation or something like that, or that they can always go find their local rugby team is a really great feeling. Um, but also this, it's fun hitting people. I, I started off as a lock and I sort of have transitioned out to flanker, which has been a really nice, nice move for my shoulders, but I've played lock for years. I I didn't really have a chance to play anything else. Um, flanker is pretty awesome, though. I do enjoy that. It is fun being able to pop off the scrum. 
Well, you're, you're also active in several local chambers of commerce, and also on your resume, you identify yourself as an ambassador of Buzz. So here on this podcast, we're always looking to ask guests to tell us about a local nonprofit organization that deserves more attention. So what's one that you might share with us that's, that's near and dear to your heart? Um, there's a ton of great local nonprofits. Safe Harbor in Westchester is one that is a wonderful organization to support. I actually, in college, used to live down the street from them and I would always walk by and look at the mural, you know, that's on the side of their building. Um, a, a good friend of mine, Laura Fitz, volunteers at that nonprofit. Safe Harbor is an excellent, excellent one to support. Um, but there's there's a ton in, in Chester County. There's, I like to say that Chester County is sort of like a, a secret treasure trove. You can very easily just start digging at the surface and there's all of these great things that are here that you would have no idea about. Um, but yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a shout out to Safe Harbor today. Thanks for that. And we'll be sure to link to the Safe Harbor website and include notes for everything we've talked about today over on our, on our website at startlocal.co. I want to ask you about advice for a business starting down the R&D path. And you've talked about how it's hard to be a startup, and especially if the non-revenue stage startup. But um, what advice would you give to businesses who've committed to and are starting down the R&D path to to help help them get ahead with their R&D programs, at the very least from a tax credit perspective? Yeah, with that... Um Depending on your state, like if you're in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania has a ton of of great and sometimes rather specialized uh, tax credits. Like there's there's one specifically for for distillery, like for distillery and making malt beverages. You can I think it oh it's it's at least twenty thousand um, dollars. I, I think it may be as much as two hundred thousand, but that's just for you know malt making malt beverages. Um, so depending on what you do. Talk, first of all, always, always, always speak to an accountant, speak to a CPA, um, just say, hey, this is along the lines of what we're doing. I know that you might not be a tax credit specialist, but do you know anyone we should talk to? Because what we love to do is get in front of people who are probably too small to be our clients yet. Like we, if, if someone hasn't, if they're bootstrapping, for example, they're not paying employees yet. They haven't been able to go out to get any, you know, investment money, but they they are paying for things out of pocket. We say, look, we are going to tell you what you need to know about this particular credit. So when you're ready to utilize it, you won't miss out on it. We, we have bumped into companies that have been doing R&D for years. They're well-established. And by, by years, I mean like seven to 10, no one told them this existed or they had misconceptions about it and they missed out on hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, thankfully, with the federal credit program, you can go back three years to amend your taxes, but they're not, that, you know, for the people who have been in business for a long time, you can, it stinks when you find out that you've missed out on the cake, right? So we always try to tell people early on, talk to your accountants, talk to, to your CPA, and then do, do a little bit of digging. We know it's exhausting, but like call us. We will tell you what you need to know so you you know where the cake is when you're ready to eat it. Um, my job is is basically all about like education and 
trying to catch these misconceptions before they get out into the world and, and really mess up people's opportunities. Um, so we like to talk a lot about how grants and credits can work together because there's a ton of amazing grant programs. And we tell people grants are great if you're just starting out. Like if you're just starting out and you don't have money to get going, go for the grants, get yourselves prepped for when you can use the credits because, it, you know, so like, let's say if you get a federal grant, and then you try to ask for a federal credit on top of that, they're going to be like, why are we giving you money back for money we've given you? You know, like that kind of thing. But you can stack them. It's like year one, you use a grant. Year two, you've already gotten tons of investor money. And now you can go after the credits. You can use all of these amazing tools together. And what we do is even if someone comes to us and we can't help them, we'll say, go talk to so-and-so, go do that. You know, like, please use us as a resource. We're here to help not just our Pennsylvanian companies, but all of the com companies in the U.S. that are trying to create something cool and new. And we want to make sure the information gets out there. Laura, I'm detecting a common thread in both your professional and personal lives. And that is that you really take pride and pleasure in setting people up for success. You want to make sure that they succeed. Um, so I'm wondering, how did you become an R&D tax credit specialist? And is Bowers R&D hiring? Um, I became a tax credit specialist because as a military spouse, I have a very frenetic uh, resume. And when my husband and I settled back in Pennsylvania, I put my resume out in Indeed. My CEO found it and he emailed me, you have a weird resume. This is a weird job. I think you'd be a good fit. <laughs> and then, you know, it was, uh, it, my fate was sealed. I actually adore this job. It's been a really great amalgamation of all my previous skills from other, you know, career paths. Um, and I've had a lot of weird jobs. One of them was being like a ghost tour guide with, you know, the ghosts of New Bern in New Bern, North Carolina. Excellent tour, by the way. You should definitely go. Um, so I, I like that's, you know, my love of people and talking and then my sales background, it all, it all kind of funneled into this and put me in a position where I can help other people and still pay my mortgage, which is excellent. Um, unfortunately, we are not hiring right now. We are a boutique firm. So, but we were looking to grow. So, Hopefully, we'll be able to soon. Um, I was brought on to increase our uh, our name nationally. So if I do a good enough job, then we will be able to hire more people. <laughs> That's great. I think uh, I think I would enjoy working with you. I'm not sure I should be allowed anywhere near tax matters because I can't do math at all in my head, much less with the aid of a calculator. Um, Laura, as, as Eric shared, it, it's pretty clear that you're very much about looking around you and taking care of those who have needs that you can help address. And within that context, I want to flip it around a little bit, is how can the local community support you or support the foreign firm that you're working with, Borrowers R&D? Uh, that's a great question. I love that. You can help us by helping your, your neighbors. Um, if you know of a company that is creating something new and maybe... Uh, this is something that we notice a lot. Some startups will automatically discount themselves or just think, oh, we don't have an R&D department. We don't, we don't count for that. But really it is look out for your fellow business people. If, if you have a friend who is, you know, started their own company, they're making new product and they're investing funds into it, tell them to look this up. 
Um, basically, we are part of the economic ecosystem. Um, everybody, everybody eats. That's my motto. So if you you know, if you're, if you refer somebody to us, we have like a paid referral program. Um, if you tell your friends like to go look into this and they find out that they're eligible, they'll get, you know, several thousand dollars back and then maybe take you out to dinner. I don't know, but you will make somebody's day. Um, so basically it is just looking out for other people. If you know somebody who's working on something like that, you know, a brewery, robotics, taking plastics and turning them into shoes or something. Um, let them know about this. Tell them about it. Tell them where to call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Um, and yeah, just just help out your, your peers and your friends. Laura Berry, an R&D tax credit specialist with Bowers R&D. Laura, before we say goodbye to you, tell us where people can find you online so they can come and learn more about tax credits and how they might be able to benefit their own business. Yeah, you can find us um, at LinkedIn, Bowers R&D Associates, um, or you can look me up directly, Laura Berry, B-E-R-R-Y on LinkedIn, and you will be able to get all the information that you need to know uh, or go straight to our website, BowersRND.com. Great. Well, Laura, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to share a little bit with our audience, everything that you have going on, and uh, we could learn a little bit more about you. So thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks to everybody for listening to the Start Local podcast. Uh, as a reminder, we'll put everything that we talked about, links and the like over on startlocal.co. You can also subscribe to get notifications of when our, we release new podcasts, as well as be kept informed of that fantastic event that we are organizing for 2024. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye for now.